This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 707, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit macweldon.com, enter promo code iFanboy, and iFanboy listeners just like you. This is hell, this is hell, I am. Sorry to tell you it never gets better or worse But you'll get used to it after a spell For heaven is hell in reverse Hello, welcome to my fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 707. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. Hello! We are iFanboy. We are. And every week we read a bunch of comics or a small stack because it's the fifth week. One of us picks a favorite book, we call it Pick of the Week, and we talk about that book and other books from the week, the emails you send us in, the patron picks and bowers. We got segments. <laughs> segments. segments. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. It's it, it, Every time, though. For me, it's an old college joke. I don't know where it's for you. Really? We used to say we... This is a deep, dark hole we're going to go down. We used to say we had issues. Mm-hmm. Issues. In studio, in studio B or A, wherever we were shooting in right. college, somebody would have an issue or something, so we, we, we made a whole show called Issues. Yeah, but the, doesn't work. Issues. The, re, the repetition part is part ratings, but it's also taken on a different voice. It, to me, what I hear is like... Um, for some reason, if you think of it like Alan Partridge, where uh, he's... <laughs> He goes, and now a segment on Alan's funny stories. And then he hits a button and you hear, Alan's funny stories. And it's like a little bit produced. And that makes me laugh every time. So it's a combination of all those things. Issues. I do remember that joke, sort of. But the, anyway. We are nothing but a cauldron of college memories and, <laughs> and pop culture references. It'll be fun. We'll talk about comics in college and Alan Partridge and other British TV shows. and Jurassic Park. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be spoilers. Exercise some caution. This week, Josh had the pick. Yes, I did. Uh, was a short week, small week. Uh, didn't feel like it because it turns out that I had a lot of stuff I needed to do on both Wednesday and Thursday night. I don't know if you know that Halloween was that night, so I spent a lot of time out there with the kids. But it doesn't matter. Got it done is the point. Fell asleep trying to get it done at one point, then later got it done. Sure. I had several options. Um, and I thought, oh, it's going to be this or what? And, and I saw that there was this Sandman Universe Presents Hellblazer, number one, mm-hmm. uh, written by Simon Spurrier, who I don't love, but I do know he's British, which almost immediately makes him better than any American trying to write it, unfortunately. Um, and Marcia Takaro, who I know his name, and I'm almost certain he, that he has drawn Hellblazer in some form at some point. Uh, I'll look it up while he talks inside the interview. Yeah, that's sure. Anyway, uh, I started reading it, and, and this is going to be a theme through this whole show, by the way. It, they might have canceled Vertigo, but they're still publishing Vertigo books. They're just not calling it that. This is a straight-up Hellblazer story. He's British. He sounds like John. He swears. There's – it's everything about it is Hellblazer weird. story. It is. It's and, very and weird. As I read through it, there are a couple of points really early on where I went, oh, this is the real thing. Where, you know, the, the, all the other different relaunches, the Constantine book, the whatever the last Hellblazer, whatever the last one I did was. The uh, Hellblazer. You know, the Hellblazer. There you go. Uh, it didn't sound right until you added that. And I was like, that's what it was. Uh, they've all been not great to okay so that's kind of like what i want but it isn't really it and this was an issue of hellblazer classic whatever so i'm gonna keep this relatively short because i recognize that there is a very small contingent of both people on this show and people listening who give a shit but um, first of all don't pass out because you're talking very quickly for for you second of all uh that's okay (laughs) take your time this is the whole luxury of being the host you can talk about your book as long as you want fair enough we get into that uh, Marcia Takar, I don't see a Hellblazer on his resume, but he did a long run on Incorruptible many years ago. Okay, yeah, kind of remember he did that. Some Irredeemable 
Um, huh. He did. Uh, well, oh, that, uh, that looks like special art. He did, he's done a lot of work randomly. Yeah. He seems like one of those guys. Like, fits. We, we need an issue. You know. Yeah, fits very well for a Hellblazer type artist. I think it's a little bit of that classic sort of vertigo-y kind of thing, but more on the Peter Schneeberg side. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um. So in this story, basically, we we join it, and there's a whole magical explosion going on above London. Shit is going down. It's really bad. And he's basically saying all this flashy stuff. This is not this is not my thing. This is not this is not what I do best. Uh, and it turns out, you know, that there's all these demons invading, and he basically tricks his best friend Chaz, whose life he's ruined many times, into believing that he can help him and going, you know, driving off. And really what he's done is made all the demons go after him and he becomes a cipher. And basically that almost kills him or does kill him. It doesn't matter. He fucks over one of his friends again. Uh, Tim Hunter shows up and he's like, what's going on? And and John's like, you fucking did this. And he's like, what? And you look up and the big bad guy is adult Tim Hunter uh, who's blowing everything up, which is kind of interesting. And then the best part is an old gaffer <laughs> shows up um you know with with one of those like golfer caps on and a you know like an old irish sweater with the jacket on and then he's smoking a cigarette and looks at him and slowly it dawns on you that this is old john hmm. and then and, the, and he's a little cheery and then the thing that john can't put his finger on he's like what is it about him he's happy and it's interesting. So there's a time travel element along with the sort of magic element that's sort of happening. At one point, he's trying to just – they're trying to like prove you know, the bona fides of who it is. So John takes a cigarette and he burns his own hand and old John goes, oh, and you look and he's got a scar there now. That's mean. And, and old John's like, I can help you. And and then later John wakes up, new, uh, young John wakes up in Raven Scar, the, the, the mental hospital where he was famously imprisoned before all this happened. Um and comes out into a world that is our world, uh, but it's not quite his London that he remembers. Um, I'm not sure where this falls in the New Fifty Two Earth, what, but you know, whatever. But all why, the people exist. Why is this? It's it, it doesn't matter. It's I, basically I think this has to do with sort of the rebooted nature of the thing, but it doesn't really matter. It's it's not like he's in a different. He's walking around going, oh, this is the same, but it's different. It's just shifted so that he can start his story. If that oh. makes sense. Right. So, no, I'm, I'm reading about the press on this book, and so this is a a one shot that is leading into a new series, Josh. Uh huh. John Constantine Hellblazer. Vice Whatever. Vice Barrier and a different yeah. artist. It was it was it was really good, and there was a couple times I laughed. I really liked old John. I loved the design of it. It totally worked with what they were trying to communicate with the character. Uh, just straight up the whole time. The dialogue and the language used was was just perfect. And after reading so much that wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, for so long, it was just so nice to hear him. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, Americans cannot write this kind of dialogue. Right. Like, unless they have been embedded in northern England for two decades, I just don't think it's possible. There's just a certain way with words that comes out of sort of the British mind that we don't do very well. We We... We attempt it. We, you know, he's knackered in the boot, but right. it's not right. Um, and in this, it is it is just right. And it really was. This was like reading a lost issue of Hellblazer to me, um, like the old series, and it made me super happy. It sounds and I, like I, Neil Gaiman might be saving Her- Vertigo for you because from, from this press, he's he's like curating a bunch of new books. Yeah. Well, the th- the thing is that like you've got all these going on over in the Sandman Prevents Presents area. It's not Vertigo. A couple of books we're going to talk about later. I was like, this is a Vertigo book. You can write whatever you want on the front of it. Right. But the, it's it's odd to me that they thought they, the overlords, you know, right. that like acting like killing Vertigo, may, making air quotes, is progress when you really are just doing the same thing with a different window dressing. But you've lost the thing that was – maybe they thought they made Vertigo not cool and so therefore they do other things. Black Label's cool but Vertigo's not, which is bullshit because all the people reading comics are the same people reading comics. They're not going to bring in some huge influx of new adult readers who are like, oh, Vertigo is so played out but Black Label's great. Like that's not going to happen. But whatever. I, at the end, all that matters is that there are really great books yep. available for us to read. And and for me, this made me you know really happy. Like it, the, the colors were, were good. The art was great. It was just a good issue of Hellblazer. Um, I bet you thought you'd never get a pick of the week again that was called Hellblazer. 
I honestly, when I started reading it, I it never occurred to me that that would be it. Because sometimes you start a book and you think, well, maybe this will be the pick of the week. It just didn't. I wasn't even thinking of it in that way. And then I laughed out loud a couple of times. And and at the end of it, I thought, oh wow, that could be the pick of the week, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> so so there's that. Um, That's awesome. I, I had. I had I had thought that there was a good chance that deceased number six would be, and six I was kind six, of hoping, the final issue of the miniseries. I was yeah, I was kind of hoping it wasn't because mm-hmm. just it's been a thing that has happened many times, um, and, and in the end, I thought there were a lot of really good things in the issue, um, but it, it I don't think it ended a a story like it ended a chapter. Well, the thing but, is, like, you, how do you end this story? I know. That's what I was thinking as I was reading it. It's like you can't. They, the way they have it set up, they can't triumph, right? They, it's too mm-hmm. far gone for them to be like, oh, we've won. So well, how do you really end? The only way you really end is basically by escaping and starting a well, new life somewhere else, which is what they do. Well, I assume that the next chapter will start with Thanos having killed everybody aboard the Arks. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that is a really good question because this was an unexpectedly uh, popular book. So in the, in the way of all comic companies, I'm sure we'll see a deceased two. Oh sure, Earth Two, deceased verse, deceaster. But <laughs> in the meantime, I, I liked it. I thought I yes. thought it's a, it's as satisfying of an ending as you can get in the, with this kind of story, where you don't have a villain to you don't have a villain to defeat. It's, it's yeah, it's humanity. Human and I like that. Problem. I also this is my favorite. I think uh, two or three panels of the whole. The, this is like this has been a great Ollie Queen story. If nothing else, like we've gotten the best Ollie Queen we've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Classic. Good old crusty Ollie Queen. He's like, Batman doesn't have a plan for me. <laughs> he's mad about it. And then he shoots Aquaman in the eye from a half a mile away. And he's like, fuck Batman. <laughs> I thought that was great. I, I, this was a great miniseries. And I, this yes. is, this, I, I, I had a weird week, you know, it was the fifth week where I had like 10 books. And I don't know what the hell I would have done for the pick of the week. But this was, a, I, I really like this issue. And I think yeah. altogether, this is going to be a really fun trade. I mean, look, it's a dark story. Dark shit happens in this book, but you take it for what it is. It's 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 almost a silly kind of Elseworld story. So it's not really like I, if, if this happened in a regular comic, I'd be I'd be upset. But it's a it's an offshoot. Yeah. I mean, the, the the thing was is you know you said how could you end this story, and the answer is any goddamn way they want to because that was the fun thing about it. They 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 really did turn Superman, and there's a little part of your mind that thinks. Oh, they're going to bring him back. That's how it always works. They find a thing. And I, and in this one, I, I didn't have that thought, which I loved. I loved that I did not know what the rules were in terms of what was okay to do. I liked that they made a magic kryptonite sword, which totally mathematically comic book math makes sense. Yep. Like, oh, that's brilliant. Uh, you know, but then oh, Damien doesn't suck in this. That's how good this book is. Right. You right. know, and, and, and then the, the thing is that Superman trying to figure out what to do, you know, goes in and drains the sun and it's going to kill this galaxy. And I thought, well, that's pretty finite. Pretty, um, dark, pretty, pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They also fly really quickly to the next Earth because it's, it's got to be outside the galaxy, right? Because otherwise they're all going to die. Yeah. No, that was a space physics problem. And if there's one thing I love in this sci-fi story is is at least, you know, the realistic that I can believe space physics. Right. Um, so it did wrap up really fast at that end point. I, I thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, other than that, what are you gonna see them sitting on the ship? Yeah. You know, like this. No, it, it skips the part that you don't need. I, I just think this was a terrific mini. I was just, I was just like, there are arcs. Great. When arc. did that happen? Right. Great art from Trevor Harrison, and I guess Neil Edwards did a few pages here, but I didn't really see the difference. He did a good job of aping Trevor Harrison's style. Um, I, I mean, as we said before, this has been picked like twice out of six, I think, and uh, we we are de- Tom Taylor should get a raise. Of some sort. I mean, it's it's a bright, bright but dark, dark spot for the year. Yeah. You know, in terms of comics, this is the um, old man, uh, not yeah, old man Hawkeye of this year. I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. If this was a twelve issue series, it probably would have been followed the same sort of path. Yeah. Um, I, I, sure. I really had a good time reading it. I'm happy. Um, I don't remember why we started reading it, but I'm happy we did. I think it was a patron pick. I think you're right. First issue was a patron pick. No way I'd have read this. I mean, I think we would have come around to it, maybe. I think I, I might have checked it out, but you never definitely would not have read it. But you would have like you would have been like, no, this is real good. Like, because that was the most apparent thing. Like, oh, the characterization of these guys. It's just like this isn't like New Frontier, but it is like when I read New Frontier and I thought, oh, the characterizations of these people are really good. 
like that is the and like, that's these when characters. that's why you can put them into any kind of dark story because yes. they, they all feel true to themselves even when when dark stuff's happening you don't lose any of these people yeah and that's what's that's that's why it worked so well on for many reasons so that was one of the main reasons why it worked so well mm-hmm. it's interesting because we've talked a lot about how these characters are all malleable and you know batman can be all sorts of things but there is an intangible thing that when somebody sort of does that character and those relationships between the characters in a way that makes you feel that thing that you felt when you liked them that's when it works best and that's so it's it's hard to describe, but every time so that's why it's interesting for them to go and take Dick Grayson and be like, we're gonna make him different and whatever. And it's kind of interesting for a while, but eventually, what really gives you the feeling, the love, that, you know, is when you just go, no, this is Ollie and and Dinah, yep. and they're they're relating in a way. It doesn't matter that she's she's Green Lantern. It matters that she's the same. She's Dinah. That's I mean, what it I mean. The interesting thing about it, and we're gonna move on to the next book in a second, is that. Despite the, the, the appearance of Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne, this felt very firmly in the old world. I mean, yes, that, th- those were that was an old school Dinah and Ollie. You know, that was not really the new, the new ones. And so that's what was interesting about it was it, it sort of took, it sort of took um, the best of all what's going on and put that together for the story because it's because it's out yep. of continuity because it's basically an old world story you can do that and it was I liked it a lot. Batman Annual Number Four. Is this this isn't Tom King's last issue for Batman? I'm guessing it's his last annual. Yes, <laughs> but I don't know. I think I read this might have been the last one he wrote. Like like he wrote the uh, the regular ones already, and this was the last Batman he wrote. Okay, that, but I could be wrong about that. Well, uh, hold on, you know what? Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask him. Batman Annual Number Four: Tom King, Jorge Fornes, and a little bit from Mike Norton. Uh, from the diary of Alfred Pennyworth, and uh, I really like this. I mean, there's, there's a very specific um, device here, which is basically it, it shows you how nutty Batman's day to day life is as Bat- Alfred takes you through. Um, I don't know how long it lasts, but I assume months of Batman's life, and you get these little short vignettes. Sometimes they, the last couple of pages, sometimes they're just a panel, but um, and it has a very very strong Silver Agey feel. In, you know, he fights a dragon. He goes to the edge of the universe. Um, there's all kinds of wacky adventures that happen panel to panel. He rides a dinosaur. He fights sharks. Um, I, I really liked it. At, at the, there's, always, there's always been a strong uh, Silver Age flair to Tom King's Batman, and I like this. I think that he gets the he gets the 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 silly serious balance really. Yeah. He understands that there's silliness about it, and that there's value in that um and it's funny about this is that i didn't love it but as i kept going i loved it more yeah well i think by the end (laughs) it starts getting really fast it's almost like the end of uh six feet under where we're we slowly get into the story and then by the end it's going panel by panel by panel by panel of all Mm -hmm. these different stories and it's like four panels a page and six panels a page and it's seven panels a page then it's eight panel. Oh, he's actually it's numerical. Then it's nine panels a page. So that's why every by the end every panel page adds a new panel. Yeah. So it's yeah. You're, wow, it's exactly that. It's one one on the Mike Norton section. It's a splash page, and two panels, and three panels, and four panels, and five panels, and six panels. So it's 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 subconscious where it starts speeding up. Yeah. That's really cool. Like the end of Johnny Cash's Hurt video. Ugh, don't. Which I don't. I know can't even watch it. I'm gonna start weeping right now if you if you do that to me, but. I, I and that's what I liked, and obviously the Hori Fornes art in the beginning is great, and I like I like Norton's a lot. Um, he also did a little bit of of style aping, and uh, you know. I didn't know that it was him. I didn't see it, and then when I saw it, was I went back and I was like, oh yeah, that is him. But it did was not again like it was not disruptive in any way. Also, he wrote. I mean, I mean, like that was the thing is that when it gets doing that at the end, it's really easy for that to be a cop out. Like you're not even writing anything, <laughs> but. It but is. But no, no, but it got super enjoyable. So I was like, who gives a shit? It's really fun. And I, I, uh, I you know, I was reading it and, and like at first it gets silly. Like he goes, he goes skiing. You know, like, like when I saw it, like Batman retrieved his skis <laughs> and like I thought, oh, that's great. Then he's in space and, you know. I know a lot about space travel and I go, that does, that's very silly. And then he rides a dinosaur and I was like, oh, it's, it's amping up. And then it gets to the point, and I'll tell you where it, where it really clicked. And this was almost a pick of the week, too. Okay. 
when he's wrestling the alligator in the kitchen, I went, oh, he's got it. It's it's done. You know, like it got kept getting good. And uh, by the way, Tom, Tom said, A, the skiing is his favorite part. Mm-hmm. Just just so we know. Uh, he said it's sort of true. This is the last thing that he plotted. No, I see. Okay. So whatever that means. And then at some point, he's, he's in a jungle without his shirt, but the whole rest of his costume, including his gloves, swinging through the jungle. Yep. I mean, and then the helping, first time he was shirtless. Helping an old lady cross the street. Mm-hmm. For some reason, running on a football field, holding a, you know, he's breaking tackles on a football field. <laughs> like, that's, this is, this is what I love. This is, he's got a lab coat on. He's got a lab coat. He's jousting. He's fighting another guy in a Batman suit. He's riding a kaiju. Saves a dog. <laughs> he's he's sailing a pirate ship, and it's every day. That's yeah. I think that's the best part. Like yeah. it's, it's just, seven days a week. It's just the ridiculousness of his day to day life, and uh, yeah. And, and the then, final you know, panelist and punching Joker. It makes I, I, right. I, this is terrific. And the the you know this had a little of everything. I think the boxing story was great because it starts off being really implausible, the and MMA then they story. Yeah. Yeah, they get to it. Yeah. They get to a point where it does work. And then there's a you know, there's a train heist story. There's a there's a uh then uh, what was the other thing I was just thinking of? Um I really liked all of the, you know, the, the cosmic story. Yeah. And the little bit of the end of it, you know, your judgment, power, glory. Fine. I'm Batman. And that should be silly, but it worked. Mm-hmm. The voice remains silent, returns him home. He won just by saying he's Batman. That's just how uh, intangibly badass he is. And then, and then finally, my last bit, there is a long history of, uh, of referring to creators of the, or like, you know, famous Batman people in, within the Batman world. Yeah. And it, it's so established that it's not silly, but like the band being called the Infantinos was great. Yeah, um, there was another one. There was, he's drawn in it. It's a person who opens the door. Oh, I don't know. I already closed it. Uh, anyway, there was just a few of those in here that I, I thought worked really nicely and, and just were like, – it was sweet. It was very sweet Yeah, if that's possible. Well, it makes it, – it does make sense that it was his last quote-unquote issue of Batman. I'm obviously doing Batman and Catwoman, but Batman yeah. because it, it does feel like a – An elegy. A, a goodbye to the character in a way. Like a here's my full take on – and it feels very much like the very beginning of his run uh-huh. where he would do stories like this, like the Calendar Man stuff and – you know, like, you know, like long periods of time happening over a single issue and uh-huh. all the different things he does. So. And also the art, the art is fantastic throughout. Yeah. Like it's, re- it's really beautiful. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. I kind of like, it's, it's kind of a bummer how this all works mm-hmm. because like, it would be great if this was the last thing he did. You mean life? Well, yes, but you know, the, the scheduling and making yeah, yeah, of comic sure. books. Um, the business you know. gets in the way of the art and that's just all the way, the way it's always yeah, been. Nope, it's annoying. I'm, it sucks. I'm not, I'm not mad about it, but, uh, you're annoyed by it, which is fine. You're allowed to be. It's, it is I, 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 yeah, but I still got to enjoy a great comic book. I was surprised to see Excalibur number one on the list from you. I was going to put it on, but I was surprised to see you did. Well, this is a little how I work, Connor. <laughs> I try to, I try to keep you on your toes so you don't know what's going on. I really liked this. Interesting. Wow. So, Trini Howard or Trini Howard, Marcus Toe, um, there was a creative team, and as we discussed previously, um, we were. I don't know what, what the plan was, but I guess now I'm. Are you going to read all the first issues? If I feel like it. Okay. I'm not. I'm not making a commitment. I don't have to. I'm not an all or nothing dude. So, what was it that got you to read Excalibur? I mean, there was a little bit of momentum involved. I thought, well, I've read the other one, so I may as well probably going to talk about it. It was a light week, so it wasn't like it was a big challenge to do that. Um, I'm not going to tell you I was an Excalibur fan because I really don't – I'm not able to hang with this sort of deep Claremont stuff for a really long time. But when I was a kid, I really did like the idea of it. I liked the title. I always liked – I liked the movie Excalibur when I was a little kid. Like I liked that Arthurian stuff. I like how that is mixed into that and then um as i got going through this like it was just kind of interesting the characters actually don't know a ton about and so uh and i don't cont- i know it's an x-men book but it feels like it's separate from me and this was one of the first books where there did there did seem to be i know kitty pride kate showed some of that antipathy towards things going on but there was a lot more of that from betsy braddock in this yeah and i liked that I want more of that. It seems more realistic that everybody wouldn't just go along. Like, no, I don't want to drink. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm not here to have a party. You, you goddamn hippies. Like, there's a part where she right. where she goes through the portal and they're all just sort of lounging with yeah. their wine and, like, flowers in their hair. And I was like, oh, the, the X-Men are 
are hippies now. Yeah, and there's there's like there's a grounded sort of family thing going on with the brothers and her, and I don't know. There's there's a lot of this that I wouldn't like, but I found myself enjoying it, and and I I don't understand apocalypse like at all. Yeah. But in this, like I I could figure out where he was, you know, like I I I got sort of the the position. I don't know. I can't tell you why I enjoyed it, but I did. I didn't want to like it because. <clears throat> I am programmed to hate anything that Gambit shows up in. However, mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. Betsy's a compelling main character. She's had a very um, messed up life. She had the body swap go on where she was Asian for a while. And that there's a little there's a little nod to that when when um, the woman whose body she swapped with is on the island and they sort of get close to each other and then then she pulls away. Um, uh, and the characters are interesting. I mean. It's not my favorite lineup, but um, you know I I like the Captain Britain character. The design's cool. Betsy being Captain Britain is interesting. It's it's, it's close to being too magicy for me, and close to being mm-hmm. too, ga- too gambity for me. But yes, I did like I did like it. I really I was I was surprised. I was surprised that I liked it. I was expecting to not like it, but yes, me I too. Did like it. I mean, like it's you know at the end of the day. It was a well done comic book, you know. Like it, it hooked me. It doesn't doesn't. It, I mean, we're here to talk about why, but it doesn't matter. It looked really good too. Like it was, you know. We've always liked Marcus Toe, you and I. He's he yep. used to do Robin a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. it just he's just a little bit cartoony in in a good way. I like his art a lot. Um, he's a good storyteller. Uh, the part where the brothers lounging naked in one of the pods was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like it was funny and it was it was good character stuff and um. You know, it's right now. There's a lot of energy around the X Men. We're only three issues mm-hmm. in out of six, I think, but um, they're 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 doing well at the moment. I also like Morgan Le Fay as a villain, but I was like, I'm doing the half hand, you know, like eh, kind of a villain, you know. Um, yeah, I was it was it was good. It was interesting. There you go. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce Apocalypse's name. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, yeah. let's take a quick break. Talk about Mac Weldon. It's funny when you you know you have a good product. When um, I find myself thinking about how I need to get more of it, like quite literally, you know, we talk a lot about the underwear and the pants, but I I really like their gym socks a lot. And okay, some someone has I can only assume someone has stolen my half my gym socks because I used to have like eight pairs, and now I'm down to like three. Are you going to do an 80s stand-up bit on lost socks now? <laughs> you know how you tell you know, it's the laundromat. Um, uh, and so now I need to get more. And I, I find myself going, man, I need to get some Mack Weldon ones because they're really comfortable. And they're actually – they look kind of fun too. They And they, ha- they they're breathable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my favorite. I have a bunch of different kinds of socks, but they're my favorite pairs I wear to the gym. So – this whole week, I've been thinking about how I need to go on MacWeldon.com and buy more. It's easy to go on MacWeldon.com and buy more. They've got a great website. You can find what you need. It's simple, well-designed. So I find myself thinking about it, and I've actually almost did it last night, but something distracted me from going to my computer, so I'm going to make sure this weekend I'm going to buy some more MacWeldon socks because uh, they're good products. You want For a gym sock, You really, that's key. Oh, yeah. You don't, uh, want, to, you don't want to feel those threads. The worst... The worst <laughs> There was one or two times in the last couple of years where I went to open my bag and I was like, shit, I didn't bring any socks. So Ooh. like I had to work out in like my regular socks and that, that's not only embarrassing, but also uncomfortable because they're not, they, don't, they don't absorb sweat. Your feet feel mm-hmm. weird. It's just not a good, not a good situation. I, uh, I, I mean, you, you, you are the person who said that, who gave the best uh, description of, uh, of, of sock discomfort in my life. We were at Heroes Con. No, it was mm-hmm. WonderCon. WonderCon. Yeah, it was WonderCon. I was sitting on the floor, and it was like, "How you do?" Just go. I can feel my socks, and I was like, "God, that's perfect." Because once you, there's a point that you get to where, like, you can feel the individual threads like pushing into your foot, yep. and it's the worst. And since that time, I have I have quested to to only wear socks where that is very unlikely to happen. And and now I can't go back to just regular socks. I, I know that's a super bourgeois thing to say, but. You know, once you go there, it's just well, that's why you know soldiers in the battlefield were given good socks, you know, because mm-hmm. they're it's important. Your feet are important, and I know we're talking a lot about feet. I know Josh doesn't like talking about feet. <laughs> Mac Weldon won't give you trench foot. So. 
<laughs> and the reason why they won't give you trench foot is they believe in smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping. As I said, the shopping experience is super easy. The, the, the website's really well laid out. You can you can find your, all your great products very simply. The most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more you'll ever wear. And the line of silver underwear, as we said, and shirts are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, which is important. And uh, they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear that you get, you can keep it, and they will still refund you your money, no questions asked. And not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. Great, As I said, great for working out, going to work, going out on dates, everyday life, anything you need clothes for, really. And uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting more, more socks. I'm, I, I know I know I'm t- I keep talking about the socks, but they're very comfortable. I also there you go. like the underwear. I'll be traveling. I'm wearing, I'm wearing, my, I'm wearing my radius pant right now. It was windy this morning, but it's still kind of warm. I got to walk the dog. Perfect. LA can't decide what it wants to be, so it's too a little too warm for me. But I will be traveling for the holidays, and that means I'll be wearing my my Mac Weldon underwear on the plane because it's nice and comfortable. It doesn't roll, and I'll be wearing I'll be bringing my my radius pants and my what's the other pant name? Ace. The Ace pant to on Ace my the Bat Hound pant. They're very comfortable, very exciting. So here's our special offer to you listening. Um, if you go to tw- MacWeldon.com and a promo code iFanboy, you get 20% off your first order. You can't beat that. 20% off is a great discount. It's not just the t- tax, as often discounts are. Um, you can mm. check it out. As we said before, if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can tell them and they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. So MacWeldon.com, promo code iFanboy, 20% off your first order. Thank you for shopping with MacWeldon, and thank you, MacWeldon, for sponsoring this episode. What's it like having a 8% plus sales tax anyway? <laughs> Harleen number two, I wanted to mention it, Stefan Sajek. Uh, this was pick of the week number one. I really like number two also. It, um, it widened the world a bit. You, I'm assuming you did not read it. I did not. It widened the world a bit. It introduced Two-Face, which I thought was tr- it was a terrific, um, slightly tweaked, but most of the same origin for Two-Face. And um, and we, and she, as, as Harley, who's still a psychologist at uh, Arkham Asylum, deals with him a little bit and tries to interview more people not just the Joker, so she talks to some of the other villains and goes and interviews Gordon. It just it just made the world bigger. Um, still a lot of fun, and still very much through the lens of Harley as she creeps ever closer to becoming Harley Quinn. Uh, by the end of this issue, she's almost there, and uh, still they are still terrific. Um, the characterization is still real solid, and uh, I, I thought this, this is one of the better black label joker stunts they had there was another one this week from lemire and sorrentino that was all right but this was this was much better poison ivy a little bit it it just made it just entered the larger batman world which i thought was smart well there you go uh i read the last god book one of the fellspire chronicles oh boy uh chapter one from dc's black label comics by philip kennedy johnson and ricardo federici Listen, I uh, I shouldn't make fun. I like fantasy novels. I don't know why I make fun of them, but they're they're. It's it's. I almost didn't make it in mm-hmm. because at first it's very deep fantasy stuff. <laughs> like, uh, well, I did it, read it. The plague of flowers, a pestilence that turned the living into profanities of vine, rot, ash, and deviled flesh. The whispers rose to a resounding wail that consumed Kale Anun. I don't know. I was looking for something to read. Uh, and it's like big, crazy monsters. And, and, and so that's sort of the thing that happened in the past. And then we, we skipped to today. And after we got out of the crazy dark times of all this stuff that was happening, I don't know. I can't explain exactly what was interesting about it. But it kept me going. Um, there are some sort of mysteries that they haven't quite explained that I thought were uh, – pretty like there's just some sort of stuff that they they hinted at that they didn't explain yet obviously because they're trying to make you read more of it and i thought it's pretty well done after you get out of the really deep fantasy stuff in the beginning i'm sure they'll get back into it um but you know if if dc is going to do this you know i will like this again this is a vertigo book i I, you know say what you want that's a vertigo book i you know i i don't know why that'd be the case uh the art is is lovely it is uh ricardo federici uh whose name i seem sort of familiar it's got a bit of an isad ribic vibe to it Mm -hmm. it's like isad ribic with like a little bit of top cow (laughs) um but it looked really good the colors are great um you know if you like this kind of thing i think you're definitely gonna like this 
Hmm. Uh, if you can't handle it, if you don't like this kind of stuff at all. And I don't even mean like, not Game of Thrones fantasy, but fantasy fantasy. I like don't think some, of you as like a deep fantasy guy. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm not against it. I ain't, I ain't necessarily for it. But you ain't, I ain't mad at it? I ain't, I ain't, I ain't getting it. I ain't, I ain't mad. I ain't, ain't going to be no thing. But you know, the megalith of Tirgalad, like there's a long prose bit at the end. I'm not reading that. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I don't read it at, on Conan either. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, so I'll read it for a little bit. I'll probably get, I'll probably, it, it's like uh, if Birthright was all the stuff uh, in, in the other land and it was not interesting at all. But it was good. Right, it was good. I liked it. Downloaded it. All right. I don't know how to feel about Invisible Woman as we enter number four of. I was wondering if you were still reading this. I assume six. Yeah, no, I am. Um, it just really bugs me that her eyebrows are like jet black. I don't know why. Um, you pick out the weirdest visual things that you always <laughs> mention first. You know, his cape had a seam on the end of it. You know, okay. my I you know I, my mom's an artist. I've got that in me. Just so visual things bug me, and uh-huh. uh, like she's got you know she's like a. True blonde, and she's got these dark jet black eyebrows. It just it just doesn't make any sense. I um, guess this is this is this is totally speculation. My guess is at first they did her eyebrows blonde, and it looked weird. Maybe I bet that's what it is. Maybe it had something to do with the way that this sort of thing is you know colored and styled. Also, um, they've also given her a birthmark, which is she's never had. Before. Listen, I mean, I, I think that what I figured out was in general. I think this is a really good spy story. I think it's a really cool. Uh, uh, examination of sort of how her powers work and what she's like but you kind of have to get away from the fact that it's it is susan storm can i ask can i point out one more eyebrow related thing <laughs> you really brought it home there because i was going to bring more more visual thing but no we're we're literally back go ahead so when when she and her ex-partner are escaping in the car and she turns the car and them invisible to escape which is cool why is everything Clear, but their eyebrows. This is page seven. Because otherwise, they're going to look reader. too surprised. But they they just can draw the out. Like, go to page seven. And did you, why is I'm looking at? It, I can see. Why is everything clear, but their eyebrows? Maybe that's just like this artist's thing. Is like eyebrow fetish. It's got an eyebrow thing. It's like Kirby with redheads. I mean, the thing is, I'm enjoying it. It's just like it's 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 such a bizarre Sue Storm story. It's, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's a bizarre Mark Wade story. Hmm. It's all, but it's the plotting is really good. The sort of the twist that's happened with this other character, I did not expect. The way that she really is a badass is really fun. The, the, uh, good, and it's a good cliffhanger. Yeah, great cliffhanger. I, I mean, like it's overall, it's a it's a really fun miniseries, and it's not really connected to anything else. It it doesn't. It's it's. I can't think of any other Marvel stuff this feels like. So. Cool. Also, page sixteen when they're sneaking around. I know. I know. Now I can't not see the eyebrows. You asshole. (laughs) You mentioned Nightwing earlier in the episode. Nightwing Annual Number Two seems rather important for the story, um, for to stick it an annual. But this is Dan Jurgens and Travis Moore, the regular creative team on the book. And here we learn in a flashback the reason why Dick Grayson. I'm sorry, Rick Grayson has amnesia is because the doctors who treated him after he was shot are all the Court of Owls. So they all engineered his amnesia in order to get him to join the Court of Owls and become a Talon. So this I'm going to guess you're not for that. No, this is, are you, this is terrible. Okay, so you're getting it. I don't like this. Um, okay. I, I, uh, it just... We've talked about this ad nauseum, but... It really does take away the triumph of the human spirit when every character is part of a lineage. And so yeah. here we have a flashback to when he's a kid and, and Dick and his parents have no other family, but they have this one sort of distant uncle and aunt in, in Gotham City, so they go have Thanksgiving dinner with them and it's nice. But there's fucking owl paintings everywhere. And as we know, his grandfather has shown up in the issue as... Or great grandfather, one of those two, as a, as a member of the Court of Owls. It's just like when every character is destined to be something, it takes away the the triumph of the human spirit. And when you are given this ability or power, and you choose to do good with it, when you when you're destined to it, there's no choice in the matter. And so, like the idea that this random circus kid becomes this great crime fighter because 
of this tragedy that happened to him and because of his mentor is sort of undercut when you have him as part of this long line of badass assassins. Mm-hmm. And that's just hard. That's just, I think, really bad. And they're doing it to all the characters, so it's not just Dick Grayson. But this was an examination of that. And, I mean, on its, on its face, the story was fine. Dan Jurgens is a good writer, and Travis Moore is terrific as an artist. And it's just that it just you, I can't get away from the undercurrent of the problem of, of making him this this character who's always been meant to be who he is, and it's just terrible. The rest of it was good, like the. The aftermath of him getting shot, Bruce rushes into this hospital, and they, he flies in the best neurosurgeon from Switzerland, and and then the whole family's there waiting for him to wake up, and Damien is sneaking into his room at night to yell at him to wake up, and and then you know Alfred and Barbara and Dick, um, Alfred, Barbara, and Damien, and Bruce are there when he, when he when he does wake up, and he has no memory of them, and they all have that um, different emotional reactions to that, and that was all really good character work, but then it's like. Here come the Court of Owls, and the reason that his doctor was a member of the Court of Owls, and she messed with his brain and gave him all these drugs to make sure he had amnesia. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was on the one hand good and well drawn, but on the other hand, it was dust, it was bad. Uh huh. So it, it made me, it made me sad. I'm sorry. That's okay. I was very emotional this week. Speaking of emotional, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, the patron pick. Everybody has – they had a feeling. They had an emotion, and they make a vote based on it. Anybody who's a patron, doesn't matter what level you're at, you get to vote on what book you would like us to read this week. Um, and I looked over the the stuff that it could possibly be, and knowing it's Halloween, I was like, great. They're going to make me wear – they're going to make me read a horror book because they always well, make was, me read a horror book. there was a period for almost a year where they kept trying to get us to read horror books. We kept saying, we don't like horror. And then they kept getting picking them. We kept giving them two stars, and finally they stopped. And this is the first one in a while. Basically, if it's not an eighty-page giant, I'm fine. <laughs> the when because uh, it's just that's a it's like because really an eighty-page uh, patron pick that's like assigning me four extra books, and I read a lot of books. So I thought Ugh, horror. I know Joe Hill's a good writer. I never finished the the Lock and Key. Well, we should mention this is the first issue from Joe Hill's imprint, Hill House Comics, which. It's part of He's Black, Vertigo. Part of Black Label. <laughs> and they He's hired, Vertigo. They hired Joe Hill to curate a line of horror books and uh, under his own imprint under Black Label. It's a double imprint. It's Black Label and then Hill House Comics. Um, well, okay. So all that being said, first of all, let's, I'm going to get this out of the way. I don't want to bring it up again. He's completely stopped worrying about being taken as Stephen King's son. Well, there was for a while he didn't. <laughs> he also still doesn't really mention his name. He just says my dad. I know. But did you read the book? Well, he's never not written like that. I mean, it's all it's always I know, but just, Maine, Lock and Key took I know. I know, it's just like anyway, um I'm actually a little torn on this. And I can't tell if I liked it. I think it was good. Um there were lots of things I liked about it, but some of the stuff that you would think I really liked, I'm not sure if I did. I really liked it. Okay. I was shocked. I mean, the the opening page aside where there's a Someone walking around with a hatchet and a basket full of heads, and then to remind you that it's that it's a horror movie or, or even you know what if it's a thriller I'm actually fine with it. And then we cut to uh, before in Brody Island, Maine, September 1983, where the story takes place, and and then at that at that point it sort of becomes a 80s thriller story. I mean I, I don't really well, see it, any horror elements. There's, it's about escaped convicts in this Jaws. Little, it, it, yeah, it's escaped convicts in this little Maine town where the Summer deputy, and is that a thing where you could just be a summer deputy? I would do that. I, I did not think so. No, that seemed new. But Maine is weird, so it's it's possible. And his and his sexy girlfriend are cruising around town, and his his he's finally off for the summer. And uh, it is gonna, police dune buggy, and they're gonna go have lots. I don't of think it's a thing either. Crazy teenage sex, but then there's a there's a prison break from Shawshank Prison in and uh, and uh, Ned Beatty, who was in charge, I guess, of the town. Ned Beatty as Murray Hamilton. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like, like when you saw Brody Island at the very beginning, did you think, is that supposed to be? I mean, it's, I mean, uh, now it's obvious, but like right that, away, I thought. For that scene, especially, because then you do get the, the, uh, find the children who deface this billboard situation. And literally, he says, hang them up by their Buster Browns, which yeah. is what uh, Murray Hamilton says. Mayor Vaughn in Jaws. I, I don't think we've actually said that, but it's, it's heavily Jaws ish. So I should like that. And then, it, and then it's about these convicts, and at the end, of course, they uh, are in the house with all the all the characters we've met. Now it just seems like it's okay. It's just a thriller, at least for now. Uh, so I really like this you, issue. Yeah. 
No, no, and I agree with all that. And I think it's actually really impressive. He's a novel writer, and um, he's written good comic books, so I know that he's not going to be one of those guys who comes in from novels and sort of can't write a comic book. But, boy, there was a heck of a lot it's of, of uh, whatever the 20 pages of the main story is. There was a lot in here. And as I flip through it now, I really do see mostly talking heads and torsos, which is the thing that I have complained about. But the cartooning was really good. Dave Stewart on Colors – did not hurt in any way. Leo and it was interesting. Ours is really good. I don't know who. He I don't is, know who that is. But really, really strong. Uh huh. I liked it. Yeah. Now it, I'm yeah. prepared for it to fall apart as the horror elements are introduced. But yep. as a single issue, as a patron pick, mm-hmm. good job because I, I definitely was not going to read this. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I looked at it and I thought, but you know, what's funny is that the cover. It's like deceased. I think. Like I see the cover and I go, I don't want that. And then the inside is completely different. I mean, considering how much of a Jaws homage this is, they should have had a Jaws homage cover. It's a good point. That's a good point. But I don't know that I like that much of a Jaws homage. Or if I do, I want it to be more subtle. And I don't know if that's just because I know Jaws so well that I'm like, that's a direct quote from Jaws, I don't, which I don't want. That takes me out of it immediately. Um, However, I thought this was, this was a more elegant Jaws homage. Like there was no, there was the one quote, but and it's Brody Island, yeah. and they're all sheriffs, and they look like those sheriffs. But and it takes place in 1983. But mm-hmm. I, you know, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know it. I don't think. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know, you wouldn't know it. That's that's yeah. that's the thing. Um, ratings. Ratings out of ratings. five. I'm gonna give it a four. As an issue on its own, yeah, I will give it a four. What do you think about this girlfriend? There's something sketchy about her. I think that we're supposed to think there's something a little bit sketchy about everyone, because we're gonna because one of these people is not going to be what they seem, except for except for uh, William Cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's definitely gonna die. No, he's gonna he's gonna be smile, you son of a bitch, and then it'll be nothing else, and then like like the, like the brother, <laughs> the brother character I will swim that. out from the bottom of the. <laughs> They're gonna be some stories that their fathers met their mothers when they met them rock boy. <sighs> you college boys can't admit when you're wrong. <laughs> Let me see your hands. Don't got the sense enough to admit when you're wrong. That's the line. All right. Um, sticking with it. Yes. I'm going to give the second issue a track. I really yeah, like yeah, this yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah. So good job, patrons. At yeah. first, I was annoyed with you, but then I was like, oh, okay. They were right. I, well, I liked that that was a whole story that we got to do. Like, oh, it's going to suck. It's going to. All right, fine. I was, at first, I, I, I was like five pages in. I was like, oh, shit. Do I like this? <laughs> I really like the, 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 the visuals. Like, I think the cartooning and the coloring is yeah, just. Really good. Uh, that, that really makes a difference. Uh, so let's real quick. If you want to help uh, support the show, patreoncom fanboy. That's where you can go. If you give it any level, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Uh, fanboy.threadless.com. So you can buy our T-shirts. Fanboy.com/support support via PayPal. Fanboy.com/amazon. You can buy our Booksplode books, or you can help us out generally. And those are all the ways you can help. I fanboy keep the lights on as we enter the last bit of the year. So I'm first then mm-hmm. with our friend Peter J. Ka. Peter J. Ka, who is not related to Peter J. Tomasi, <laughs> as far as I understand, but they both like the J. J is a great so it sounds, initial. It sounds natural. It's a great first initial, you son of a bitch. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know what he can do? What? He can immediately tell us somebody is a true fan or a poser of whatever their, their chosen thing is. So you see somebody going down the street. They've got their Patriots jersey on. He's like, oh, well, that's a true fan. Or, dude, you just you just hooked up in 2008. You're not. But we've always said there's no such thing as a poser. Uh, well, I tend to think of it in the old school skateboard form. I see. Not, not in the comic uh, way. You know, comes out there, got the gear. Uh, in mountain biking, they'll, they'll call that guy a Fred oh. sometimes. Got the expensive bike, got all the gear, stuff like that. Never really rode, doesn't know what they're doing. What does a Fred mean? I don't know. It's like uh, it's like the kids say somebody is a Stan or a Becky. I think a Fred is along those lines. You need to stop. <laughs> those are right, right? Those are the real things. Those right? are words, sure. Yeah. Do you know what they mean? I do. We'll talk about. Would that you use time. them? No, I would never use them. Okay. Okay. No. What are you crazy? Oh, you know this was a lot funnier when I was like twenty-eight. 
And I would say things like that and be like, you're so funny. And now I am a middle-aged man and it's just normal. Right. But I've been consistent. I'm not a poser. Or uh, or a Becky. <laughs> I'm almost sure I'm not a Becky, but I couldn't speak to it. I'm not going to look it up on the Urban Dictionary if that's what you're asking. Um, so that's cool. <laughs> Mar- well, you're a dick. This is one of these shows. Marcel Ebanks. Um, he can tell, he knows, I'm making this up on the fly, he knows what everyone was truly meant to do. That's a little like mine, but you're more useful. In life, though, so, like, he's, like, he goes to the bank to get, like, a, a, you know, make a transaction, he tells the teller, you know, you were, you were meant to work in a flower shop, not a bank. That's where you'll find your true happiness. And he's like, how do I pay my fucking mortgage, though? <laughs> Listen, he just, he, it's, not, it's not financial concerns. He just knows what you were meant to do. For, for Can you. I tell you something? Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. You want to know. I think it would be good to know. Because knowing what it is you're meant to do is not the same thing as being able to do what you want to do. Unless being, unless being meant to do it means you're able to do it. Okay. What what if you'd you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be meant to if you weren't able to. What if it was like you were supposed to be an NFL kicker, but you've missed your chance, so you're just stuck with the? Well, that, I mean, it would be up to him to decide if he's going to tell the the you know the over the hill man. He yeah, you were meant to play professional baseball. Why did you ever try out? Like that's just mean. Uh huh. Marcel doesn't need to be mean about it. He, I do you like how do you like how I immediately went to how I would just discover that I was already a failure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. You have therapy today? You can bring that up in therapy. I had I had I was on Tuesday. I don't go again for two weeks, so I'm just holding on. She said I could call her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's really only funny if I say just a little too much. (laughs) Thomas Dietz. Can provide instant trigger point release with his fingertip. What, what does that mean? Uh, in in the muscles. Yeah. You know, if you find the part where the knot is, that's a trigger point. And if you press on and apply pressure, the idea is that blood goes to that spot, and then it will release, and then it will let your let your muscles relax. Huh. Uh, he can do that. I don't know if you know this, but my entire Instagram and Facebook ad feed is just all muscle relaxing devices. Jeez, <laughs> that's all it is. Um, so I don't know if I'm. I'm obsessed with it or they've made me obsessed with it. But uh, yeah, so if like your calves just can't can't loosen up no matter what you do, you'll find, you find the trigger point, just touch it there and it's gone. Amal Desai. Ooh. He, um, when he is, uh, well, okay, let me say it this way. Amal can, uh, shoot, he basically, he turns to a porcupine. He spikes out his whole body. Okay. And he has limited control over it. It mostly happens when he's when he's surprised or frightened. But he when he, he can practice a lot and control. But he turns into like a like an external Iron Maiden or a porcupine or a cactus. <laughs> you, you lost me at external Iron Maiden. I was just I was picturing a show and I was like rad. <laughs> His whole body spikes out. Okay, just kind of a standard mutant. Isn't there a mutant like that? Probably. I mean, yeah, that yeah, there is. Yeah, Whatever it's a little cool. <laughs> yeah, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can uh, go and give at the $5 or higher level and get your own superpower. And we thank everyone who does that. Do you want to do one email or do you want to skip them? Let's do one. One. Let's talk about the first one here. Peter from Florida says, hey, guys, I've had this question since Monday. Upon I like the specificity, by the way. Upon rereading Frank Miller, Klaus Jensen, and Lynn Varley's Dark Knight Returns this week. Excellent crediting. Mm-hmm. Um I wondered why the 16-panel grid from this comic isn't really utilized in other works, while the 9-panel grid from Watchmen is used regularly in other comics. It's a pretty, pretty easy answer for us. Um, what is your answer? Well, the answer is if you give an artist a 16-panel uh, grid for a page... They'll murder you. Yeah, they will come to your house and bludgeon you. Um, well, also, I mean, that is, the, that is also a very good answer. My answer would be that... And I haven't looked at Dark Knight. I meant to look at it when I saw this email, but... Um, the nine-panel grid from Watchmen is more iconic because it was the entire project, whereas uh-huh. Dark Knight Returns, the whole thing wasn't done in, 16, in, a, in, a, in a rigid 16-panel grid. Watchmen's whole 
visual language is the nine panel grid the entire even when it's not nine panels it's still it's still in the the spine of a nine panel grid whereas dark knight uses 16 panels but also uses one panel and two panels and six panels well i mean the thing is though it's it's about it's about dynamics you you it means something the the the, the you could a you could it would be it would be tedious to a draw also to write and definitely to read a book composed fully of 16 panel grids Mm-hmm. It would be – it's supposed to – you know, if you think about the feeling, it, it, it's it should – it's claustrophobic. It's it's jumbled. It's too busy. It's it's giving you a feeling. So you don't – you know, you don't want that all the time because there's no dynamics with other stuff. Um, you do see it sometimes, but it's – you know, it's, you got to use it the right way. And, and, you know, the idea that these people who make comics are artisans and craftsmen, they know, they know when to use those kind of things. It would be like – you know, like how come we don't use more, you know, metal guitarists who are playing 16th notes? You wouldn't want a whole song of that. They used to put more panels in comics. If you read comics from the yeah. early 90s and 80s, you know, they were a lot more full, which is because they were also longer, you know, page counts. But they were denser. It, it, it's it's a little hard for modern, you know, for me as a modern reader to go back and read some of that stuff because it just doesn't flow as easily now if you were used to that stuff at the time and you came back and you read like you know uh uh brian vaughn you know who does three and four panel pages yeah. uh it might be like what the hell you know it, it's it's a stylistic thing um but he's also not saying why wouldn't you use this all the time he's saying why doesn't it show up that much i think it's a, i think it's an extreme move is what it is and it should be reserved for for you know it's also just that the nine panel grid became iconic because of the whole of Watchmen, whereas 16 pound grid was just a tool. Well, not just. I mean, like it's a it's a classic. What yeah, is it? It was Watchmen really Woods. elevated to the modern modern comic book. Anytime anyone's using it, it's to it's specifically to reference Watchmen or that kind of story. I is it? I, I'm like I don't know about its usage before that, but to me it seems like it's pretty standard. I bet if you read Golden Age comic books before they'd really gotten down storytelling before sort of you know Kirby said we'll do like let's try these kind of layouts. I bet right, it existed a lot. I think when you see it now, it's specifically because of Watcher, not because of something in the Golden Age. The, well, the I mean then the the other thing would be that like if you think about uh, all those Calvin and Hobbes collections that we read as kids, like those are all you know there was three strips or I guess there were four. Three, three, three levels of four, four panel strips. I guess that's a twelve, but you know, it's just something familiar about it. But I, I know what you mean. Like most of the time now, when you see it, it's referencing Watchmen. Just like most of the time now, uh, if you see someone walking away from a trash can, that's the Amazing Spider-Man cover. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you for writing in, Peter from Florida. Contact that Look up. Look up, um, look up Wally Woods twenty-two pages that always or is it twenty-two? Twenty-two panels, 22 panels that always work. Yeah. I think. Contact.fanboy.com is where you can write in and send us an email. Um, real quick, shows that are out now that are not this show. Wonder Woman Bloodlines came out this week, right behind this show, if you want to hear the animated brain trust talk about the latest DC Universe animated original film. Then behind that, you can find Talks Blow with Kyle Starks, where Josh interviewed Kyle Starks, the writer. And then and artist. And artist. And somewhere behind that, you can find our show about the Joker movie, Joker, me and Josh and Mike Romo. And we will be... Off special editions, I think, until Star Wars. No, we have uh, we'll have a we'll have a booksplode in November this month, mm-hmm. and then we'll have a Star Wars show in December, and may, possibly another talksplode, but that might get pushed to January. Well, no, we never know about that one. And we'll we'll announce the booksplode date at some point soon. Yeah. You got to nail that down. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can comment on this show. Look for old stuff. Uh, poke around. You know, there's a lot, a lot of things there. A lot of interviews. You could be like, what, did, what were people talking about 10 years? What did Rick Remender think way back then? Well, it is, it good is news. It's a fascinating time capsule of the comic book uh, industry. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, there's, there is definitely that uh, element. I've always said that like at some point Mark Maron started doing an oral history of, of 20th century pop culture. And I feel like we've got a little of that. Uh, you can uh, find out what the pick is before uh, it comes out uh, so that you can be prepared by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy, going to at iFanboy on Twitter, and follow at iFanboyComics on Instagram for the best of the weekend panels and things like that. You can follow us individually, C.S. Kilpatrick and Jay Flanagan on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to keep going. If you like this show, let people know about it. Um, you could leave a star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you want to rate podcasts like that. But tell tell folks uh, who, who might like it, share share it for us. Just do it. 
just share the thing. One thing you might want to do is to put your iPhone on and, and play it and then turn the uh, speaker on the device up as, as loud as possible and then go on public transportation. Do you think that that would be a good way to bring people sure. into the show? You, yeah, I think that's probably the least irritating thing you could do yeah. to a group of people who just want to be left the hell alone. And then follow that up with sort of a, a Latin beat thing. Yeah. <laughs> as if you don't realize anyone's around at all. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, good show. It, it, it got a little psychological, got a little, little deep. It also almost didn't happen. For various reasons, almost didn't happen. Yeah. Which was fun. But it did happen. And I'm Connor. I'm Josh. The professionals. It never gets better or worse. But you get.